Hi, I'm Chris from the Brookline Community Group, and we continue our worship together today with the Liturgy of the Word. We'll be hearing from Mia Durant, our Director of Worship. Would you please open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. The words are on the screen for you. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit the throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, Reality Family. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Nia Durant, and I usually have the privilege of leading us in musical worship on Sundays, but today I am honored with the task of sharing God's word with you, and God's word is life, and so I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm also thankful for Macho, who has led us in musical worship from New York. Thank you, Macho. Um, I'm, I'm thankful to be in community with you, even um, with the distance. Um, we're in a sermon series, as you all know, titled Prayers of the People, and today we're diving to the story of Hannah um, and the prayer that she recites, which is more like a psalm of praise to the Lord um, for granting her request to give her a son. In fact, that's why she names him Samuel, because she said, I asked God for him. Um, and so before we dive into um, that psalm and what she's saying there, I want to um, just take a step back for a moment to chapter one of 1 Samuel, because I want to look at the woman that Hannah was before her request was granted from the Lord. Because if you read 1 Samuel um, chapter one, which I absolutely encourage you to do, because I always want you reading the scriptures, um, she is a woman of much grief. She has suffered a lot and she is unable to bear her husband, a son, or any children. And what I find, what jumped out to me this time around, I've read this story several times, but for some reason, it never really occurred to me the lack of coincidence, complete not like non-coincidence, that's not proper grammar, but you know, is that the scriptures say year after year, she went up to worship as was their custom, you know, with her husband, offer sacrifices to the Lord, and she was provoked 
by Pananiah, the other wife of Elkanah, year after year after year. And she was sorrowful. And even though she was barren, she was the wife that was most favored by Elkanah. Even though Penaniah had borne him, bore him six sons, gave him a legacy to have, Hannah was his favorite. And even though that was the case, she was still so sad, so filled with sorrow because she was unable to conceive a child. Her womb was closed. And it occurred to me that even though her husband responded to her by asking Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? Essentially her answer was no, that's not enough. It's not enough. And it's not because her husband, you know, wasn't loving or kind to her or favored her but she still wanted more. There was a hole in her heart that he could not fill. So who does she go to? She goes to the Lord. And I was struck by this because I was in my spiritual direction last week and I was tooling with Psalm 73. And I just can't help but wonder if Hannah felt the emotion of this Psalm. It's penned by Asaph and Asaph is a man well-versed in the things of God. He knows the Lord, he knows you know, his theology. And yet he says these words, truly God is good to the upright, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I just wonder if Hannah identified with that psalm because I have been toiling with it. In this ongoing, tiresome pandemic of racism in our country, I'm just wondering if the Lord is looking upon his children, looking upon African Americans, is he listening to us? It has been century after century of being dehumanized and of watching people who have no regard for his name seemingly prevail and seemingly prosper. Are you listening to us, Lord? That's what I've been wondering. And so I, I wonder about Hannah identifying with this and the reason why I'm encouraged by her story is because when I read chapter one of 1 Samuel, I see that Hannah worships through her pain. She remained humble, even though the Lord allowed her to suffer for quite some time. She still prayed her anguish. She did not miss the opportunity to worship the Lord her God and to pray. And when the Lord grants her request, and when her mourning is turned into dancing, and she enters the joy of being a mother to Samuel, she prays this prayer in our text today in chapter 2. And so my question for us to consider is how do we know that God is the lifter of the lowly? And the first thing that I want to point out to us is that the Lord is sovereign over all things. In verse 2, Hannah's prayer, which again is much like a psalm, it starts off saying, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. No, there is no rock like our God. And so if you go back to chapter one again, Hannah, you know, she prayed her anguish by beginning with the words, O Lord of hosts. So she's already addressing the very character of God while she's bringing her request to him. 
She knows that the Lord is worthy of worship because he is the creator of all things. She knows who she's talking to. There is relationship there. You know, in Isaiah 45, the Lord speaks to the prophet saying that there is no one like him, that he has a plan in place to reveal that very truth, to reveal his glory. The Psalms are filled with language that talks about God being a solid rock, a rock, you know, who is firm, the source of our salvation. And it's true because there is no one like our God and he is an unfailing source of security for those who love him. And so Hannah credits God with this truth and with the victory over her barrenness in chapter two in this psalm of praise that she offers. And in verse four and five, they, I think that it speaks to the sovereignty of God making the weak strong and the strong weak, being the lifter of the lowly. She says, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. Only the Lord can reverse those roles like that. I think he is the master of performing surprising role reversals throughout the Bible and here in our present day life. And then you go to verses six and eight, and I speak even more directly to the sovereignty of God. And they're, in my opinion, pretty weighty because Hannah is saying God is the giver of both life and death, of both poverty and riches. Nobody wants to hear about that. We just, you know, we want to know that God is good and his mercy endures forever. And that's true. But to hear that God is going to allow suffering and pain. Oh, no, I don't sign up for that. But at the same time, I do. <laughs> because it's the truth. And I think we live in a world where our culture encourages us to believe that we are the creators and the givers of our wealth and of our path of life. Now, don't get me wrong, God gives us the gift of free will and of choice. He didn't make us as robots. He didn't do that. What I am saying though, is that God will also providentially step in to raise up the weak to positions that we, as mere mankind, would only give to those who we consider strong, who we consider the most good looking, who we consider to have the most money. But the Lord delights in humility and meekness. And you know, it seems clear to me when you go back to chapter one that Penaniah, I'm sure she thought favor was due her. She has six sons, she was fertile, that was praised then and now. But she was not the wife who had the most favor. Sometimes we strive for relevance and for validation and we do all the things that we think that will bring us to the top and we still come up empty. There is no title, no job, no number in your bank account, as I am often tempted to believe, that will grant me the joy of the presence of God and a full dependence on him. You will be let down trusting in your own strength. I can't guarantee you much in this life, but I can guarantee you that. We have to live like the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? We have to live our lives that way. And Hannah goes to God in her miserable estate, believing in his sovereignty, that only the Lord can fill this hole in my life. Listen, you know, I just want you to know we're not in a sermon series on prayer because that's what good Christians do. No. 
We are doing this sermon series on prayer because prayer is our first line of defense. It's our main line through Jesus Christ to the Father. And, you know, a Christian leader who happens to be a woman of color made a powerful tweet about uh, prayer in this time amidst uh, the coronavirus outbreak. And she said, people will mock those who prioritize prayer. Gather and pray anyway. Gather and pray anyway. Over Zoom, six feet across in your backyard, whatever it looks like, but gather and pray. Do it. Because prayer is action. Hannah is being mocked every single time she goes up before the Lord to offer him worship and pray. She's without child. She's being provoked by her enemy and she's praying. And we pray because we believe. Hebrews 6.11 tells us that anyone coming to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We believe that God exists and we believe that he is sovereign over all things. Even when we struggle to believe it, we believe it. Why? Because the scriptures are filled with story after story of God turning things upside down. That would make no sense to us, but he's working on a much bigger picture than we can see in our present circumstance. God is saying, come to me. I am the lifter of the lowly. In verse 10, Hannah reminds us, It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. But God is very much so interested in elevating the humble, in elevating the downtrodden, those who are overlooked. And this brings me to the second theme that I want to highlight for us in our passage today and answering the question, how do we know that God is the lifter of the lowly? We know because God listens to his children and he cares. If you go back to chapter one um, and you read in the message version, which is so good, it's it's a paraphrasing of the scriptures and it's just good. And I love how we see God acting on Hannah's behalf, even when she doesn't know it. After she made her request, um, her and her husband worshiped and they went back home. And then it says, Elkanah slept with, his, with Hannah, his wife, and God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. That is good to me. I need to hear that. I don't know about you. Because I am desperate for that to be my truth, that he is working even when I cannot see it. And it reminds me of another passage in the Bible that's in the book of Daniel. I really like Daniel. I've mentioned him before in one of my sermons with you guys. And um, and in chapter 10, it's really good. It's kind of trippy. Stay with me. You know, um, there's a lot going on in Daniel's time. Pretty crazy stuff. There's a, lots of crazy kings, wickedness in the land, oppression. And it's been a long time of Daniel praying and seeking the Lord on behalf of the people and repenting and seeking the Lord and repenting. And he's just trying to seek understanding and wisdom. And when he prays for this, the Lord sends out his angel armies to begin to war, spiritual warfare against principalities and things that we can't see in the atmosphere. And so when the angel of the Lord gets to Daniel, he says to him in chapter 10, verse 12, do not fear Daniel. For from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words have been heard. I have come because of your words. That is good. It's good news. God is listening to us when we pray. 
Isn't that something? And I know you need to hear that because I need to hear that. But if God doesn't answer you immediately, does that mean that he didn't hear you or that he doesn't care? No. No, dearly beloved, that's not the case. I was talking to someone close to me this week, mulling over my sermon, actually, and they pointed out something that was so obvious, but still at the same time so mind-blowing. You ever have those conversations with your friends? And they pointed out the fact that because we live in a world with so much immediacy, we struggle to live in a continual place of worship or in a continual prayer life. My dad would say something like, we're a microwave people. You know, 60 seconds, done. That thing pings, your food's ready. Ronnie Chiang, he has a hilarious stand-up um, on that very truth. I can't recommend it for children, however. It preaches to me because it speaks so well with comedy to the deeply flawed culture that we have and in our expectancy of immediacy. And so I just want to challenge you to do some self-inventory and I want to ask you, how, what are you doing to combat that? We know that um, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, but do we ask the Holy Spirit to sow that into our lives? And you know, when we're praying that prayer, it seems dangerous, right? Who, you know, we're asking for patience, that means God is going to place you in situations where you are going to have to exercise your patience. It may not be the funnest, the most fun exercise. <laughs> I tell on myself a lot, I am impatient. If I can't catch the vision or see what you're doing, or if I don't trust you, good luck. So I'm thankful that God is patient with me and that he is listening to me when I pray. When we look at Hannah's story, we again, like going back to what I was saying, we see that uh, God was moving on her behalf. He was making arrangements when she made her prayer request known to him. And so in due time, which was God's time, she bore a son and then she dedicated him to the service of the Lord because he had answered her request. And so while many years had passed when Hannah could not conceive, she still worshiped the Lord. She prayed the sovereignty of God. And when she became a mother, she prayed a prayer of rejoicing. And I just want to say that I'm sure that, you know, men outside of her husband in that time would have disregarded her, that she would have been you know, counted as nothing and overlooked. But God regarded her in her lowly estate, and so did her husband, even though she was barren. And the Lord listened to her and granted her request because mercy is his specialty. He is a merciful God. Don't you believe otherwise? So could it be that God cared more about developing Hannah's character and molding the arc of her story to his story for the generations to come to know that he alone is the Lord. Could it be that he allowed her to experience deep pain that only he could turn around for his glory at the appointed time? So it's not that God wasn't listening. It's that his plan for his glory to be revealed was better than the earthly plan or the timing that she wanted for her son to come into the world. And we know that Samuel was an integral part of, of Israel's history and of and, and, and being a prophet. And at some point in time, 
laying out the foundation for the king of the earth to enter into the world. As Hannah steps into the joy of, her, of, of motherhood after having her son Samuel, God is exalted. He is glorified. And her prayer of rejoicing is later echoed in the New Testament. Surprise, surprise. I love old picture Testament stories turning into New Testament stories. That is how the Bible works. And so her prayer, the theme of her prayer is also echoed from the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Her name is Mary. And so the ruler of the universe, though he was rich, he became poor for our sake. And he came into the world through a humble young woman. She had no prestigious title, no riches. Yet God chose her to bring light into darkness, to give us hope. And so in Luke 1, Mary, while pregnant, she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. And when they greet each other, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy in the presence of Jesus being in Mary's womb. And then Mary begins to sing a song of praise that echoes the same theme of Hannah's prayer. Do you know what that theme is? God exalts the lowly. God is holy. He reverses the roles of many to reveal his glory. He is listening and he cares. So as we come to a close, I'm going to read Mary's song over you from Luke 1. And as I do that, I want you to begin to prepare your communion elements. I want you to take a small piece of bread or a cracker. I want you to pour a little bit of grape juice or some wine. And I want you to say, this is Christ's body broken for me. His blood shed for me for the forgiveness of sins. Because from the foundations of the earth, God had a plan in place to rescue his children. He knew that we would try to do life without him and he still pursued us. That kind of compassion, that kind of love is unmatched. And when we participate in communion together and redirect our hearts towards that gospel story, we remember the Lord. We do it in remembrance of him. So if you're in your household with healthy people, we want you to say those same words to them as well and serve them. So as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to read uh, Mary's song of rejoicing that echoes the same theme as Hannah's, that God is the lifter of the lowly. Follow along on your screens. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Join me in prayer as we begin to respond to God through musical worship. Lord, we acknowledge that you are a faithful God you are sovereign over all things, that you are listening to your children when we pray, that our requests do not fall on deaf ears, but that you are a listening God, that you are a lifter of the lowly. 
that those who are barren will not always be barren. And those who seem to have always have their mouths fed, they will hunger. And Lord, those who have been hungry, you will satisfy. Lord, as we participate in communion and remembrance of you, may we remember the cross. May we remember your promise. May we remember your sacrifice and be changed. May our hearts be transformed by the power of your gospel story. And may we remember that we cannot do anything in our own strength, but we must live by your spirit and your spirit alone. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for listening to our prayers, not because we're worthy, but because we're your children and because you love us. Thank you for your love, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.